Welcome to That You May Grow Thereby, a work of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. We are located at 18 Scott Drive in Florence, Kentucky. Our phone number is 859-371-2095. You can also visit us at www.nkcofc.com. And now, that you may grow thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. My name is Greg Litmer. I am one of the elders for the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ, and I very much appreciate the opportunity to talk to you today. The world has recognized and set aside for memorials many battlefields. Think about Gettysburg, Bull Run, the Little Bighorn, the Alamo, Pearl Harbor, and literally hundreds more across this globe. All these bring to mind the famous battles that were fought there. But as Christians, we are engaged in a different kind of war with a different battlefield. Jesus said in John 18 and verse 36, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would be fighting that I might not be delivered up to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not of this realm. When Paul describes the Christian's armor, there are no physical weapons listed. There are no rifles or bombs, and he explains the reason why in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Our battle is not against people. It is not against government. It is not against political parties or officials. Ours is a spiritual battle, waged against Satan and his forces and influence. That is why the scriptures contain warnings like 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 and 9, where we find, Be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. But resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. For most of us, it is relatively easy to find and fight the forces of evil we see around us. But the hardest battle, and the greatest battlefield, is not out there. It is in here. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3-5, through 5, Paul wrote, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofting thing raised up against the knowledge of God, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. There is my true battlefield, my own heart, my own mind, and my will. If I can win the battle on that battlefield, then I will truly have won. In this war, we have to battle ignorance. Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 32, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Nothing else can set us free, and even truth cannot make us free until that truth is known. It is the known truth that sets us free. 
That is why the Lord gave the Great Commission and told the apostles in Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Only when we hear the truth can we believe it and live by it. The gospel of Christ is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. That's Romans 1.16. And we know that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's Romans 10 and verse 17. If we win the battle against ignorance, and by that I mean lack of knowledge, it will be by hearing God's word, his truth. For most of us, it isn't easy to delve into the word of God and quickly understand all that we would like. It takes effort, diligent effort. Remember Paul's words to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15? He wrote to the young evangelist, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, handling accurately the word of truth. We should give diligence, that is, work hard to learn the word of God and use it in the way God wants us to. When we apply ourselves to learn his teaching, we can learn it as he wants. By knowing and relying on the word, we can fill our hearts with what is good and become proficient at rejecting what is bad. 2 Timothy 3:16 and 17 tells us, All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Look with me at 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5-8. through 8. Peter wrote, Now for this very reason also, applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence knowledge, and in your knowledge self-control, and in your self-control perseverance, and in your perseverance godliness, and in your godliness brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. We want to add to our knowledge. To hear and learn God's word, that is a command. And it can be obeyed. In fact, it must be obeyed. There is no other way to come to God. Remember what Jesus said in John 6:45. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught of God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. The Lord has clearly given the order. It is here, learn, come. If anyone would come to Christ, he must seek to know his word and will himself to both learn it and obey it. The battle against ignorance is a hard one that we must each wage on the battlefield of our heart. Being satisfied with the knowledge we have is easier. It is easier to think I have all the truth I need or I have done all the studying I need to do. But that attitude condemns us to lose the battle within. We also have to battle immorality. Murder, lying, cheating, adultery, stealing, and so on are more than just social ills. They are sins that call each of us to battle who would live for Christ. Consider Galatians 5 verses 9 through 20, 21 where Paul wrote, Now the deeds of the flesh are evident which are 
immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Paul said that those who engage in such will not be part of God's kingdom. John adds to the list in Revelation 21 and verse 8, But the cowardly and unbelieving and abominable and murderers and immoral persons and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars, their part will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. James tells us to keep ourselves unstained from the world in James chapter 1 and verse 27. How can we overcome? Find a way of escape as God has promised. Come to 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13 where Paul wrote the following. No temptation has overtaken you but such as is common to man. And God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will provide the way of escape also that you may be able to endure it. Do you know where the will to find that way of escape is found? It's found on the battlefield of our heart, that's where. When he was criticized for eating with unwashed hands, Jesus replied in Matthew 15, 18, and 19, But the things that proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and those defile the man. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, slanders. The great battlefield against all sin is in our heart. That is the reason Jesus said what he said in the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 and 22, Jesus said, You have heard that the ancients were told you shall not commit murder, and whoever commits murder shall be liable to the court. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court, and whosoever shall say to his brother, Reka, shall be guilty before the Supreme Court, and whoever shall say, You fool, shall be guilty enough to go into the fiery hell. Down in verses 27 and 28, he added, You have heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks on a woman to lust for her has committed adultery with her already in his heart. Sin begins in the heart. That is where the real battle takes place. In Matthew 12 and verse 34, Jesus said, you brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak what is good? For the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. Unless a lie is in the heart, it cannot be spoken with the mouth. Why do I say that? Well, consider Proverbs 4 and verse 23. Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. Immorality in every form begins in the heart. Proverbs 23 and verse 7 tells us, For as he thinks within himself, so is he. Brethren, our great battle against immorality is not fought in the political arena, but in the heart. Whatever we put in there, that is what comes out. And that is why Paul wrote what he did in Philippians 4 and verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, Whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things. 
We have to think about the kind of things that will help us win the battle in our hearts. We have to battle as well wrong attitudes. Wrong attitudes lead to sinful actions like we've already seen. But many fail to recognize that wrong attitudes are sinful in and of themselves, whether followed by sinful actions or not. Among the works of the flesh that we looked at earlier were such things as hatred, wrath, and strife. Well, look at Colossians chapter 3, verses 8 through 10 with me. It says, But now you also put them all aside, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have laid aside the old self with its evil practices and have put on the new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. The gospel of Christ is to change people, and that change begins in the heart. As attitudes change, life changes as well. Too often people hide behind the idea that I can't help the way I feel. That's just not true. Hate is sin. Love is a command. And if we couldn't help the way we feel, we could not be held responsible for either. Peter commands in 1 Peter 1 and verse 22, Since you have in obedience to the truth purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 31 and 32, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice, and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. If we can't help how we feel in our hearts, then the Bible is not telling the truth. We are commanded in Hebrews 10 and verse 24, to consider one another, to provoke unto love and to good works. The heart is the great battlefield. As James wrote in James chapter 4 and verse 8, Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Win the battle of the heart. When we purify our hearts, then our lives will be pure both in word and deed. We have to battle indifference. One of the most severe denunciations of the Lord was his message to the church in Laodicea in Revelation chapter 3, verses 15 and 16. He said, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I would that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spit you out of my mouth. It is so easy to just drift along, knowing what we should do, but putting it off. Not rebellion, but indifference will be the cause of many being lost. But once again, the battlefield is our heart. If we are to be zealous, we will begin in the heart. The fires must be kept burning or the embers will die. Unless we constantly and consciously renew the heart with zeal and the determination to serve Christ, we will become lukewarm and lose on the battlefield of our hearts. And we must battle pride. The Apostle John told us in 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 and 16, Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. 
A proud heart has little room for Jesus. So we are told in Proverbs 16:18, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Pride will keep us from obeying God, no matter how clear the command might be. Pride will keep us from admitting that we need God, or forgiveness, or anything else. Again, the battlefield is the heart. Of all the battles of life, the greatest of all is fought in our own minds. It is much easier to subdue an enemy than to conquer ourselves. We have to win the battle of our hearts. Just words to consider. I hope they'll be beneficial. Thanks for listening.